0: Welcome to the Dementia Caregiver Talk Show, a podcast to help you navigate the senior care maze. Learn and laugh with us as we discuss creative solutions and ideas to common and uncommon dementia care challenges and how to make sense of the senior care industry and options, even if you're not a professional. And welcome to the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. My name is Valerie, and I'm here with Tifa Snow, Joanne Westbrook, and Greg Phelps. And today's topic is one that actually came in as a question from a YouTube audience member. For those of you who don't know, we have a YouTube channel. If you type in TPA Snow on YouTube, you'll probably find a lot of video clips of Tifas, which I recommend because they're fabulous to get you know, to learn from and get information. And you can also ask us questions and Type in comments, and the one we got this time was the benefits of dementia care facilities and the time to move a loved one for support.
1: Well, I'm, I'm part Scottish, so the, the word free immediately came to mind when you said <laughs> YouTube. So, you know, I, I confess. <laughs> The McFarland side of me. Uh, Wow, talk about a broad ranging topic the benefits of dementia care facility and the time to move a loved one for support. We could spend hours on this, so we're going to have to break this down into small bites for people. Can we start with the the, uh, time to move somebody, Um, or do you want to go with the benefits first? Because each one could put us in the ditch for a couple of hours.
2: I'd say the time. Um, And my usual comment when somebody says, well, how do I know when it's time? Um, And the answer is by the time you're willing to ask another person the question, my rule is usually about three months ago is when you probably would have benefited more from doing something active because what you've done probably is wait until you're exhausted. Wait until you've exhausted all the options, wait until you can't stand it anymore, and that's why you're at this place of exhaustion, of frustration, of irritation, of depletion. So uh, sooner than people think we need to explore the options and the choices we have so that when the time comes, we've already figured some things out. We aren't starting from scratch. We, we sort of have an idea of what the alternatives are because quite honestly, some people don't know the difference between a nursing home and assisted living a memory care private pay, public pay, Medicare, Medicaid, people think things are gonna be covered or they think places are gonna be available. And frankly, continuing care retirement communities, it's actually fairly complicated. Um,
1: So in, in an ideal world, we would have discussed some of this with our loved one prior to, But by the time you get to that stage, they're maybe not able to participate in that decision. Do you want to go to a care home or would you like to stay here? Well, damn it, I'm going to stay here as long as I can.
2: Feet first. Take me out feet first.
1: Yeah heard that one
2: before yeah i know and if i had my druthers that's the truth of it but the reality of it is that's you may take me out on a stretcher a few times before it's feet first you know it feels feet first but in fact i break my hip then i bust my head open and then and family members can only tolerate so much of that if you're not present it's it's like absentee landlord, and you're like, I can't keep letting this happen. It feels like neglect, it feels like abuse. If I'm living with you, it can just make my anxiety and my distress so out of control. I'm exhausted just worrying about you getting up again and doing something, and I can't handle it anymore. So, you know, the reality is there's an element of safety, but there's also an element of my ability, the person living with dementia's ability to engage with the world around me. Um, and also my interests. And it turns out some people actually thrive in an environment that's not their own. Um, It's like going to a hotel or a spa. And so for them, even though initially it's not where they want to be, and it may feel like it's a temporary thing and it needs to be temporary, it turns out to be a good matchup for them to have more social contacts and for them to be doing more things during a day because there's more options that are available to me.
1: So we'll come back and explore some of the benefits in just a moment. But in today's society, we what's that term? Nuclear family? We're all blown apart. We're all over the country. Who makes that decision if daughter, son live in California, mom lives in New York? Where does that scenario present itself and how do you deal with it?
2: All too often, it's a hospital discharge. Mm. Something happens. There's a crisis. Um, and we're having to make last minute Friday afternoon, Saturday, you know, I, I've got, to, I'm out here on vacation trying to sort all this out. And I sort of come and realize, ay, ay, ay this is so much worse than I thought it was. Um, we've got to do something. We just can't keep going through this. Or it's my fifth call in. And it's like, I'm getting phone calls all the time. And I'm doing the best I can. I mean, that's the reality for me. I have what's happening for me. And this is my aunt, it may not even be my my spouse or my my mother or my my divorced husband, you know, heaven knows. Because all kinds of relationships exist. And yet we feel responsibility for one another. Um, but there's limits and knowing your boundaries and what you can do and what you can't reasonably do and what you're not good at, um, that also plays a role in it, I think.
1: Then after you do make a decision, and I know lots of families have gone through this, mm-hmm. caregiver guilt. Oh.
2: it's not unusual for people to describe the day they place someone as one of the worst days of the experience for them because it feels like a um, failure event rather than a process that you know the care got too extreme you can't be 24 7 for another human being I mean we'll just lose two people and yet it feels like failure. And and I also what people don't realize is you're not actually giving up your care partner role. It's a different role now. And you may have some opportunities to go back to some previous opportunities that you missed because you were so busy being the caregiver that you lost sight of being a daughter or you lost sight of being a spouse. Um, and this may be that opportunity, but it won't feel that way
1: at that point. Could this be the beginning of the um, grieving process for some people? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a real visual and time-sensitive and place-sensitive time place awareness of loss. You aren't in the place you were. You are not who you were. You're. I mean, it's. I'm losing you, but you're losing me, too. And so particularly if when you go, I'm not happy, um, that makes it super hard. Or if something bad happens within the first two weeks. And by that, it could be my health condition deteriorates or I do something that gets me me in trouble or I end up having an emotional breakdown with this change. And it happens often because we waited way longer than would have been helpful for me to feel in control of something. Um, but I also may not have let go of control of something. So it's there's no absolutes for anyone on this one. And that's what's a little that's why I don't think there's a right answer and a wrong answer. I think there are better and worse things. and planning ahead and having some options is for me always healthier.
1: It's, it's a difficult decision for families. Um, are there people we can turn to? Healthcare professionals are so busy that you're not going to be able to get the half hour or hour you need to sit and talk with a doctor about what's happening, where it's going, what we can do. Are there consultants available? I think PAC has uh, some consultants available.
2: Yeah, and we actually help our consultants help families think through this, plan through this, and see it through different perspectives, and identify what's most important, and we do that. There are some other services out there also that do that, but it's a really good idea if you're in this alone to get a support for you so you can unload some of the things and use the resources that are out there because there is a wide array of services, but some of them you could say... I don't want them. And it's like, okay, well then let's look in this bucket. But if you don't know how many buckets you got to look in, it's just you either don't think you have anything or it's overwhelming because there's too many. And just because it looks good, it doesn't mean that it's a good match for someone. And that's, I guess, the other thing, the benefit of finding the right place for the right person at the right time for them. That's, it actually does take somebody who's can take a step back and isn't, Maybe quite so emotionally invested or distressed, depending on how you look at it at the time.
1: So there, there can be some benefits. You outlined a few of them a while ago. But getting back to the benefits, um, what could those be? Because um, I've seen, personally, people sort of come to life when they have some <laughs> stimulation around them. They've got some people to socialize with. I've seen other people withdraw, though. So, I mean, there's there's the good, there's the bad.
2: Yeah. So one of the things that we believe in is visual cueing is really important. So when you put me in an environment where there are other people doing things, it's a strong visual cue. And then when you have visuals and verbals that match up and there's stuff going on that encourages me in some form or fashion, because there's something I like to see, something I like to hear, something I like to do more readily available to me. um, There's a higher probability I'll engage with it because it's less effort. To initiate and I might actually get an invite and so I don't have to be the initiator somebody could ask me to come and do something um, and help and be part of the life and be part of a community so people who've always been loners boy that's a different environment I've got to be looking for I've got to look for a place that's going to issue invitations not demands and know about one-on-one partnerships not group activities
1: So, Joanne, you've seen people put into uh, care facilities. What sort of responses have you seen with people? Have have you had some good ones? Have there been some that have gone a little sideways?
3: Actually, one of the things that I would suggest and always have is that you start early and start looking around. Um, One of the things that happens usually is there's a crisis, and that's the moment they get placed, and it's the wrong place. And then you're in another role about how you're going to get out of that. So I would always say, you know, go at different times. Of the day, look at different places. But if you know your person, if you know their history, if you know their, what kind of behaviors they have and if they're an extrovert or introvert, then you kind of know which direction you want to go in. But you need to see it really in person, experience it before you make decisions get on a waiting list if that's the one you want because sometimes it takes a while to get in.
1: Facilities are so crowded these days that in our case in British Columbia you don't always have a choice of facilities. You're next on the list you're going there. If you want to move closer to home you go on to a different list. So, uh, we we tend to treat people in, in I was going to say, inhumanly. And I, and I guess maybe I'll stick with that. Uh, yeah. we, we wouldn't want that for our loved ones. So planning early is obviously a yeah. benefit.
2: And it's one of the reasons I think, Greg, two people hold on to people longer. It's like, ooh, no, I can't put her there. I just can't. I can't do it. Yeah. And so, well, then we need to look into the options of, well, who can we bring in or what can we bring in or how can we get the support we need? To keep doing this then I mean if that's the I mean if I can't I really just can't bring myself to do it then we've got to do something a little different where we are I mean just staying here isn't the best option
3: and we um, also know uh, that if they stay alone they're um, they're going to increase the dementia solitude is is really bad for them so socialization is huge and that's what you're going to get if you have an opportunity to find the right place
1: so We don't have much time left, but I'm going to flip this because Tipa will have had experience and so will Joanne and I'm not sure who would answer that. But what happens when I, I bring mom in and I come and visit her a week later and you haven't fixed her? You know, like she used to do all these things. Now she's just sitting there. I want you to fix her.
2: Yeah, you're wanting us to fix her. This is really hard coming in here, Greg, and not seeing her a whole lot different than when you saw her at home.
1: Well, she used to go to bingo and do all these she things absolutely now she just like a bump on a log. And
2: yet it feels like you've lost so much of who she was. And she's in here and you were hoping it would really change everything.
1: Well, aren't you guys <laughs> professionals? Don't you know what you're doing? Um,
2: yeah. So it feels like we're not doing what we should be because she's not getting better.
1: And so is that a realistic expectation? Some people will. Some people won't. Yeah.
2: And so what I would say is for you right now, the biggest thing I need to do is listen to the pain Um, because you're in a lot of pain because this was sort of a last ditch effort for you. You somehow thought that when you put her in a new place, you would see the new mom come back or the new dad or whatever it was, or your new wife, your, your wife would look like your wife again. Um, and so that's a really hard thing to have happen that she didn't blossom. I was so hoping she'd blossom. I'd hope she. I would get her back because I'm, I'm now investing all this money or you know, this, this funding is really intense. Um, so that's a hard moment. Um, so when we have someone move in somewhere, I think sometimes we forget the person who did the placement they're just as much in need of support during this transition as the person who moves in. Because here's the reality. What's gonna, Greg going to do with his day now? I mean, what's, what's going to happen to him? Because what he didn't realize is how much of his day was occupied doing so many things. That now what can not happen is he simply comes to the place and does the same exact thing in the place. And it's like, well, that may work for some people. But for a lot of folks, that's not really a good option because you're so stressed out that you just brought the stress with you. So trying to figure out how to support the care partner during these transitions is for some places, they actually have people who will support people and that's also one of the benefits. For places who don't, I would recommend they start thinking about that because it's a big missing piece if you don't um, and you have a community that's supposed to be dementia friendly and dementia supportive, and it means not just the person living with dementia needs that kind of support and that's often where people find support groups that work for them is in communities
1: gee i wish I, I could go somewhere and get some training you know do you know anybody who trains people
2: I, i've run across a few people there's this website and people and everything i don't they do webinars they do trainings it's just weird they they seem to have nothing else to do other than be available.
0: Right, I think I saw that too. I think it's www.keepusknow.com. <laughs> I think that was it. <laughs> yeah, but
2: there's more than her there. I'm telling you, there's all kinds of people there.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you guys. I think we're running low on time, but one thing that Greg did mention um, is we do have PAC certified consultants available. So if you have a situation you're really struggling with and you'd love to talk to somebody one-on-one, um, we do have, we do have team members that do that. So I'm gonna put the link um, to that specifically again in the show notes so you, you can you know, go to the webpage and read about it and maybe put in, you know, fill in the contact form and, and get help and some insights.
2: And we have some online stuff to just support things like we have support gatherings once a month. We have Ask Tifa Anything once a month. Uh, we also have uh, the Care Partner Support Series where you can join a group and, and get more skillful and knowledgeable and prepared. So, I mean, we do, we are trying. Our, you know, it may not be everything we can do, but it's right now we're, we're trying to help in ways that we can help. Because This is a hard thing. It
0: is. Thank you so much, Tifa. I really appreciate the insights. And thank you, Joanne and Greg. It's, uh, you know, it's it's something that a lot of families struggle with. And there's there's just so many emotions tied to it. And uh, so getting your thoughts and insights, I think is really helpful.
3: I thank think I heard
0: you take a nice deep breath there, Val. I did. <laughs> and I love that this is very important.
3: <laughs> right. All throughout life, actually. Thanks so much, Val. Thank you, Greg.
2: You too, guys. Good talking with you. Thanks, everybody.
3: Bye.